I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New, New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello. How's it going? Good. Oh, you're asking me. No, I was asking oh. the audience. <laughs> they said good, so all of them. How oh, are you God. doing, though, while you're oh, here? thank you for asking. Sure. Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, it's nice because now that we're past December 21st, our winter solstice, the shortest mm. day of the year, days are getting ever so slightly longer mm-hmm. so that's really helping me with my seasonal depression like sure. this day is 10.5 seconds longer than the last we're getting more, slightly more sunlight yep that always just helps hang in there but on the flip side then i'm like that means 10.5 seconds more that i have to be awake <laughs> <laughs> so there's two and function like yeah. a human there's two sides to it but For it sure. just means we're getting closer to when we wake up to go to work and it's not already dark outside That'd be amazing. Can't wait. I can't wait for those days. I'm counting down the days. It's been rough. Yeah. But anywho. This is one of those where we will say before we get into it, definitely a content warning. Um, It does involve a lot of really horrific torture and also sexual abuse of a minor. But there is that thing at the end if you can stick it out through this episode if you want to. Um, Mm -hmm. No pressure either way. We'll see you next week if you don't want to. Right, of course. Um, But this is a survival story. Mm -hmm. It's so... It's incredible. It's incredible. This woman, she is just a powerful, strong individual. It's insane. It's really... It's amazing. Oh, so I'm so excited that we... Are able to tell it today yeah. it's gonna be crazy we have all these resources um where you guys can go and check out the videos for yourself yeah it's just crazy it's so heartwarming in the end to have a good ending for mm-hmm. once so really excited to share that with you today yeah so without further ado we're gonna be covering the case of the kidnapping of abby hernandez Let's dive right in with our sources. Yes. Katie? All right. We have the New York Post, ABC News, the Concord Monitor, People.com, CBS Boston, and then Abby did a 2020 interview that was really informative. You guys should definitely check that out. It was really good. I was so glad when you sent that to me because yeah. it was so interesting to watch. And she's so well-spoken, too. Yes. Yeah, she's so brave. She did a great job. Telling, hearing her tell it firsthand. Oh my god. It makes you just so like put everything into perspective because it's like For this sure. girl was so strong mm-hmm. and she was so young. She did such a good job. She, it's amazing. Oh, she's fantastic. I also had most of those. Mm-hmm. I had um, somewhere called Thought Co. I had um, this new station called WGME. And I had WMUR as well. Cool. So a lot of it was, this case was huge. Mm-hmm. So people, like you said, people covered it. ABC covered it. 2020, like there was a whole bunch of coverage on it because it was like this girl was missing and she came back alive. Crazy. And not even, well, physically she was not in too, too bad of shape, like what you would expect. And mentally she was so tough. So tough. I can't even imagine. So let's get into this. Let's talk about yeah, this let's day. Yeah, let's do it. October 9th, 2013. Let's go back there. I'm seeing fringe haircuts. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing where you go would go to the salon and get like feathers in your hair. Yes, or like a single streak of a color. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing black eyeliner. 
Absolutely. I'm seeing um, Abercrombie and Fitch clothes. Yes, yes. That's what I'm picturing right now. Mm-hmm. iPhones are kind of new. I'm seeing really bad selfies from every angle. I'm seeing the duck face. Oh, my God. Yep. Ugh. Are you back there? Oh, I'm back. <laughs> Take oh, us I'm back. There. Yeah. We were in eighth grade, I think. Yeah, we were. Mm. Never. No, thanks. Mm-mm. Anywho. So, as these stories always go, it was a normal day, just like any other. And um, for Abigail Hernandez, who was 14, um, she left Kennett High School at exactly 2.29 p.m. Normal. She walked her usual path, which was through the school's field hockey field. She walked, you know, down Eagle's Way and into a trail that was started near the school. Mm-hmm. This is what she did every day. And we know this timeline because there's CCTV cameras um, in the school, and she was texting her friends and her boyfriend at this time. Mm-hmm. So it was between 2.30 and 2.35 that Abby was seen walking on that trail on her way home from school. And at exactly 2.53 p.m. that day, Abby sent what became her last text message, which was a single heart to her boyfriend, Jimmy. So now it's 3.07, 14 minutes later, and her phone signal disappears. This is awful. So the last signal from her phone was sent. It was from the west side of Cranmore Mountain Resort. Um, This is in the North Conway, New Hampshire area. So this resort is about 2.5 miles from her home, Mm -hmm. and then there was radio silence after that. Yeah. Abby's mom, Xenia, she started to get very concerned when her daughter didn't show up home. Um, She actually ended up calling the school, and then a librarian told her, no, Abby already left. Yeah. I'm sure she'll be home soon. She had seen her leave. Right. The librarian watched her walk out. She goes, no, Abby already left the school. She's not held up here for any reason. So Zenia's like, okay, you know, she's not answering my texts. She's not answering my phone calls. I'm starting to get worried because, you know, she walks home. Right, of course. Um, So Zenia Hernandez, she worked as a nurse, and she had two daughters, Abby and Sarah. She describes Abby as being very kind and a huge animal lover. And so her disappearing, going MIA, Mm -hmm. is completely unlike her. Especially because it was October 9th, and Abby's birthday was October 12th. Right. And she had a whole birthday party planned, mm-hmm. so she's not going to run away or do anything stupid three days before her 15th birthday party with her friends. Right. She'd been planning it. She was so excited. Yeah. So she's not going to do anything to jeopardize the party. Absolutely. Yeah. Terrible, yeah. scary shit. So Xenia naturally is freaking out now. Mm-hmm. She's starting to feel that, okay, she, so she, we know she left school. Where is she? So she calls local hospitals, and she says... Do you have anyone by this description, by this name? She's thinking she could have gotten in a car accident or she could have been hit by a, you know, whatever, broke her leg. She was even like, maybe she has appendicitis. Like, she didn't know what could have happened. Right. And she was freaking out. Now she's starting to freak out when she calls the hospitals and there's, oh, no, we don't have anyone by that name. Oh, no, no one of that description. Holy shit. Can you imagine? So at around 7 p.m. that night, Xenia officially filed a missing person report on her 14-year-old daughter. Three days before her birthday, in this, you know, quiet, popular tourist attraction of Conway, New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, This really sent the whole town into a panic. Because it's like, where did this girl go? She just vanished. Literally. Are our kids in trouble? Right. And then 48 hours after Abby's disappearance, 
um, the FBI actually got involved. Which is, thinking of an FBI team Mm -hmm. for a case in New Hampshire is mind-blowing. It's crazy. Because we're so small and things like this just, you know, they don't happen. They don't happen. So when that was called in, you knew it was, okay, shit. Something's going on. Something's going on. Right. So Xenia was correct in thinking that Abby had not run away. Right. Um, Abby was walking home from school, you know, her usual route, Mm -hmm. everything's good. Um, But her feet were really hurting her. Her shoes were not really the best, you know, 14-year-old girls are not dressing practically for a walk home. It's just like, you know, you dress cute for the school day, you see your friends, you see your boyfriend. If you gotta walk home and get some blisters, fine. Yep. You wearing boots sometimes, and I know I've done this, Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna wear socks, it makes it too bulky, or maybe it's, they're just the right size and adding socks, they don't fit anymore, and then that wouldn't work because it doesn't, you know, that's your outfit, and so for whatever reason, she wasn't wearing socks with her boots, been there, done that, still right. do it, oh, and yeah. she had blisters. So when a man pulls up in a car and he looks nice enough and he says, hey, you want to ride home? And your feet are killing you so bad and you still have a long walk. I get the appeal. For sure. And she says, you know, obviously stranger danger. Mm-hmm. I know not to get in the car with strangers, but yeah. my feet were killing me. Yeah. It's like, you know what? And you're 14. Yeah. You're a child. You know what? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Decisions like this are just, you make them whatever logic and then you realize later or, you know, it becomes obvious that that was not the right choice and at no fault of her, of course. So she gets in the car. She gets in the car. And this guy, and I've said this before about some of the other perpetrators of our cases, he truly does look like a human used Q-tip. His picture it'll be up on our website and our instagram you guys um they all look the same oh like yeah the hair on the back of my neck (laughs) looking at him and just his mugshot and knowing what he did he's like a 30 year old man (sighs) but he looks like he he has like the acne of like a 14 year old creepy and his he's greasy he's greasy and ugh, just so putrid but at the same time you know however abby saw him that day and if he was friendly that can change your perception in a minute in a second for sure so if he's nice and her feet are killing her i mean hey it's someone's offering me a ride someone's nice enough to offer me a ride yeah and also this is north conway new hampshire where everybody's friendly with everybody and everybody's neighborly and looking out for each other and nothing bad ever happens here right what's the harm yeah oh yeah turns out abby asked him could you please drop me off at a restaurant by my house, you know. Yeah. He goes, no, um, I have to go to the Home Depot instead. And that's when she started to get that that feeling in her gut where she's like, something, yeah. this is really bad. Like, something is not right. I, I should not have done this. And then she's like, you know what? This is how we'll get out of it. When we get out at Home Depot, I'll just leave. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, you know what? Home Depot is close to my house. I'll walk from there. Right. And Perfect. it seems like, okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. Unfortunately, they never get to the Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Um... It was actually at this point that the human Q-tip pulled out a handgun and told Abby that he would slit her throat open and that he had the power to, quote-unquote, blow her fucking brains out, quote. Um, And he warned her not to scream or to try to escape. Of course, you know, with this gun on her and Mm -hmm. with a knife. And, yeah, he was immediately threatening her. And um, what else are you going to do but freeze up, not scream, just do exactly what you're told. Right. Because you don't want to fucking die. Right, for sure. Yeah. She was scared now. She realized, oh shit, 
this, I made the wrong choice. It's, yeah, this is where it starts to get um, real, real bad. Mm -hmm. So he ends up handcuffing her behind her back and he puts a jacket over her head to kind of blindfold her. Yeah. So when she starts, she's able to peer out just barely from around the jacket to see out the window where she's going, get any kind of viewpoint. He notices she's doing that and he pulls out a taser and then puts it on her thigh and tases her. And she said at first the pain was so blinding, she was shocked, and she didn't know what was going on. She's, you know, adrenaline's pumping. Mm -hmm. She thought that he shot her at first. Oh, my God. Because she hadn't seen the taser. She'd just seen the gun. Right, she's She's blindfolded. Exactly. So she thought she had been shot. And then a couple of minutes pass, and she's like, oh, my God, he's, he's a taser. Yeah. And he's, he just tased me, and he's going to do it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he actually asked her, does the tasing hurt? As if, obviously, he was just looking for some kind of gratification from that. <sighs> and when she said, yes, it hurts, he replied, well, now you know what it feels like. Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck? So they're driving. She has no idea where they're going. Mm-hmm. She's freaking out. Yeah. She's telling herself, you know, okay, stay calm, stay calm. And while she's trying to come up with a game plan, she could hear, and she described it as squeezing and popping. Ugh. This guy, Nathaniel Kibbe, is breaking her cell phone. Because she's thinking, okay, I have my phone on right. me, there's a GPS. Right. He's thinking the same thing, and he's literally squeezing and shattering her phone. Yep. Shattering her phone. Yep. And I'm sure back then, it was 2013, so I'm mm-hmm. guessing it was probably an iPhone or like a touchscreen phone because back then, um, well, I remember having an iPhone as early as fifth grade, so I'm yeah. sure it was an iPhone if we were in eighth grade. Right. So imagine trying to bend and squeeze. Oh my God. And she's hearing this and she's like, what is he doing? And yeah. then she realizes, oh my God, he's breaking my phone. Like, this is it. This, yeah, I'm, I'm really in trouble. And she noticed, you know... The man had driven her to a remote location. She had no... When she could see under the little jacket and stuff, she had no idea where she was. She was in the forest, the woods, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And you hear your phone snapping. You've been tased. You're handcuffed. You're blindfolded. Oh, my fuck. Um, So the car stops. Nathaniel Kibbe grabs her, leads her out of the car and ends up escorting her down a long, dark room. She's kind of able to catch glimpses here and there of what's going on. She sees the Don't Tread on Me flag on the wall. She sees a couple tools, you know, an assortment of tools. Um, And then she gets led into a room. Mm -hmm. And in this room, Nathaniel takes the jacket off and then puts tape over her eyes, puts a T-shirt over her head, Mm -hmm. a motorcycle helmet on top of that, and then he rapes her. So he's being very thorough, which is interesting because she already saw his face. Right. If you think about it, like sometimes in these instances with rapists or murders, attempted murders, they will do everything to cover their face or have the victim not see them so that they can't go and tell the police or whatever. But she's already seen his face. Right. So what is this a sign of remorse? Like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a behavioral science wizard but is that a sign of remorse like he doesn't want to look at her face when he's raping her yeah or i was thinking along the lines of he is just such a sick yeah individual that he's doing this to accentuate the torture yeah no and he's like how can i torment this girl yeah and play mind games with her yeah he's has he rapes her he has her in zip ties from Mm -hmm. her hands 
and her feet, you know, he takes off all of her clothes and it's just awful. And this is just the start of a little over nine months of torture. She is kept in this storage container for nine months. It's a, yeah, a storage container or a shipping, shipping container. Yeah. Like, you know what you see, um, like, on international boats or whatever. Yeah. Literally a shipping container yeah. that he had in his backyard. Yeah. He soundproofed it. He rigged it so there was a water system she had to drink out of a tube that fed water through the ceiling. Yeah. And it's almost like... Like an animal. Yeah. He treated her like an animal. Absolutely. He she did. had to go over to the corner of where this tube was dangling from the ceiling and try to suck water out of this tube. Yeah. Like a hamster. Correct. Yeah. Right. It's ridiculous. And it's soundproof. Ugh. Soundproof. He also would blast heavy metal music at all times. Oh, he had yeah. some sources I, I saw said that it was a fake camera. Some sources right. said it was real. Yeah. But she had to sit there and look at this red blinking light in the yeah. corner aimed at her yeah so she's thinking he's watching me oh yeah oh yeah it's insane so now let's just talk about one of the only updates they had in the case while she was still missing Mm -hmm. and that was a little under a month later yeah november 6 2013 abby had been missing since the 9th of october and so abby's mother zenia you know she's panicking her daughter's gone she didn't come home she wasn't at school she's not at the hospital so she's sending out flyers she's posting memos she's going out you know social media she makes a plea on television with um her daughter sarah abby's Mm -hmm. sister she's begging she's freaking out she doesn't know what's going on abby's birthday passed instead of having a party they have a vigil Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of sadness and so naturally xenia spends all of her time looking for abby And so that naturally causes her to fall behind on simple chores that you probably couldn't imagine doing when you're looking for your missing child. Like, I don't know, washing the dishes or checking your mail. Mm -hmm. You know, I would let that pile up. I have more important things to do, right? For sure. So on this day, November 6th, she goes and she finally checks her mail. And she has a letter. Inside the envelope is a letter from Abby. And it's postmarked October 23rd. Oh my God. Which is... Just a little under two weeks before. Mm -hmm. So she hasn't gotten her mail in two weeks plus. And she finds there's this letter from her daughter. And she's like, oh my God. And she reads it. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, it's sad. It's a sad letter. But, Mm -hmm. it, you know, it says, dear mom, I miss you and I love you more than you can imagine. I'm sorry I did this. I've seen the newspaper and the TV reports. And to answer your questions, yes, I'm alive. I miss you, Mom, but I won't tell you where I am. Now, of course, with the 2020 interview we saw, it's literally Abby herself talking. So I have to keep reminding myself this while I'm doing this research. I'm yeah. like, no, no, we're getting this information from her. Um, she That was the second letter she wrote. Yeah. The second draft. That was so, so clever. Fucked. What she did. Oh, my God. So this guy, this sociopath (laughs) literally is like I'm gonna be nice to you and you can write a letter home because when Abby's mom Zenia did a press conference with the New Hampshire Attorney General's office after they opened up the missing persons investigation um Nathaniel Kibbe let Abby watch this yeah and she said it was the first time she let herself cry after being in captivity because she's watching her mother Abby come home we love you we miss you Mm -hmm. 
please come home if someone has our daughter please bring her back yeah her mother's sobbing on tv and so that's the first time abby kind of let herself yeah cry so kibby lets her write a letter but he ends up throwing away the first draft of the one she tried to write because she was using her fingernails to press and carve secret messages into the paper yeah and she was writing help help me which Um, is genius genius i would have never thought to do that and i he he just grabbed it and kind of looked at it the wrong way the way the light caught it and that was that was it um so he actually punished abby for that he tased the Mm. bottoms of her bare feet oh my god and she said that level of pain she'd never felt anything so horrific and she feels like she would never be able to equal that amount of pain again oh my god that's indescribable yeah i can only imagine indescribable as she zip tied oh my god yeah oh that's right yep and by some miracle this man kibby he decided to let her try again yes no funny business this time and so she did she wrote another letter and that was the letter that did go out and get sent to her mother mm-hmm. and Zenia said that she could tell that it was her daughter writing it but at the same time it was not her daughter like that was not her daughter she wouldn't say things like that right and it was very like one of the investigators was like, the letter almost gave off the vibes of like, I'm okay, stop looking for me. Which obviously is not what Abby wanted. No. Yeah. And luckily for her, her parents and her family was like, no, no, no. We're not stopping. Right. Yeah. Crazy shit. That was just, and it's incredible to me because, you know, we hear of some of these cases that happened in the 70s, the 80s, where DNA is not a thing. Mm-hmm. And you get these pieces of evidence that you really can't use in the way that you want. Right. They were able to use this letter Mm -hmm. and test it for DNA to confirm that Abby herself had written it. Yeah. So they're like, okay, she's alive. Yeah. She wrote this letter. Mm -hmm. But investigators agreed that it sounded very forced and not like her, not like a 14-year-old girl in general. Yeah. And they were debating and having press conferences on, do we release this letter and this information that we received a letter from Abby and she's alive to the media because what if Abby did this without her captor knowing and then her captor will see this in the media and kill her or hurt her. Right. So they waited an entire month before releasing the content of this letter to the public just in case it would have helped her. Incredible thinking. And it must have been tough to finally be like, okay, we should release this letter. Even with the thought of that, it possibly could be that he doesn't know that she wrote that letter. Right. I can't even imagine. I know. It's terrible. And that was the only thing that happened during the nine months Mm -hmm. where there was any kind of word or knowing or knowledge of anything having to do with Abby. Now, when she was in the storage container, she went through some tough shit. And you already said a little bit. We we touched on a little. Some of the most horrific torture I've ever heard of, honestly. Yeah. She had zip ties, and we talked about this. Mm-hmm. She had zip ties so tight around her at all times that there are scars in her wrist from where the zip ties were, like, literally so tight. Um, she said she lost some feelings in her fingers and hands because of this. Wow. Right? Nerve damage because of zip ties. Can you even imagine? Um, the man who I refer to in my notes as the evil man until we reveal his, even though you already did, um... Because he's an evil, sick yes. man. Yep. He put a chain around Abby's neck. Awful. Taped her eyes shut, like we said. At one point, he did bring her into his trailer, and he tied her to the bed and sexually assaulted her, of course, with the 
his whole rig of the tape over the eyes and the mm-hmm. shirt and the motorcycle helmet, which is awful, adds so much scary to the whole situation. Right. Terrible. Oh my god. So this storage container, it's, you know, a typical one that you would see mm-hmm. about 40 feet long. He soundproofed it. He was sexually assaulting and raping her repeatedly. Repeatedly, yeah. Um, he kept her gagged, blasting heavy metal music. <sighs> Just that is psychological torture. Yep. Anyway. As someone who has a dad that sometimes listens to heavy metal music <laughs> in the car, I get it. Yeah. And I to imagine to have that playing loudly. Blasting. For nine months. That is literally defined as psychological torture. Oh, 100%. I believe it. Um, and he manipulated her so badly that he told her if she called for help or tried to scream for help or if somebody happened to come across the shipping container and found her Mm -hmm. he said that he had the container rigged so that it would catch on fire if anyone tried to open it yeah and he even had fake explosives and wiring around the door so he's telling her this yeah and you know between glimpses of when he's finally taking off her blindfold yeah she's seeing okay he said that this thing is going to blow up and catch on fire. I'm looking at literal explosives and right. wiring. He's telling the truth. Right. Why would he make that shit up? He's and adrenaline's going and yep. it's just. So now she's like, I really am trapped. There's no way I can escape. Right. He thinks, she thinks that the door will catch on fire. The whole thing will catch on fire if she opens the door. Right. So she's not going to make any attempt to try to leave because she thinks it's going to kill her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of the things, and this was so fucked up, is that at one point, he told her that he was thinking of finding something a little more humane mm-hmm. to use on her. Yeah, His words, more humane. And you know what his humane idea was? A shock collar. Yeah, so he got a shock collar like you put on a dog. Mm-hmm. And he tried it, and he told her, he said, okay, let's try it. He told her to raise her voice, and so when she started to, he shocked her. And he's like, great, it works. Yep. Yep. He also made her call him master. Yeah, what the fuck? Which is disgusting. Like, oh my god. And that really speaks to his level of, he's not right. No. Psychologically. God, no. And this is proof, if anything. Yeah. If, if nothing else that we talked about was proof that this man is... Psychotic? Disturbed. Yeah. Having this girl refer to you as master to protect your identity? Are you fucking kidding me? Disgusting. Piece of shit. Putrid. And then there was one night that she recalled um, the evil man fell asleep next to her after Mm -hmm. he had sexually assaulted her. And she woke up and she saw that he was still there and she saw his face. And she immediately, like, covered her eyes and looked away because she didn't want him to think that she saw too much. Mm -hmm. That's how scared she was. But... Eventually, this man opened up to her just a little bit and a little bit more, and he actually even told her about, like, his childhood, time in, like, a juvenile detention center, and, like, all the stuff he did as a kid. Yeah. So that's crazy. And I think that's very significant, too, because when he was in the juvenile detention facility, you Mm -hmm. know, he had a couple runs in and out, different charges, whatever. Yeah. He was kept a lot of the time in confinement. So... He is clearly taking out his trauma of confinement on this girl because the things that he had to endure, being trapped, you know, soundproof, no one, you scream and no one's going to come help you. Yeah. He's doing it to her. Yeah. So I think that's very significant. Oh, yeah. And then one day she finds his name in a cookbook. His name is written in the, like, 
the inside of the first page. Yeah, he gave her, like, books to read as he was starting to, you know, soften up to her because she was busting her ass to befriend him. Right. And do everything he said and be on his good side. Yep. So she really worked with him. Yep. That was insane. I know. She really tried. She had nine months of torture in there. And so she found out his name was Nathaniel Kibbe. Now... It wasn't too long after she found out his name that one day the man came down, you know, into the storage container and said, the police will be here. I now have to get rid of everything, including you. And so when I read that, my mind first went to, oh, shit, he's going to kill her. Right. And I'm sure that's what she was thinking as well. Undoubtedly. But instead, he got her in the car and he drove her in the middle of the night to a quiet rural road Mm -hmm. and let her go. That was crazy. And now he believed that... he had terrorized her so badly, and all the threats he made to her and her family and her pets was so convincing and good that he wouldn't. She wouldn't say anything. Right. He was wrong. He wasn't completely wrong at first, but he right. was wrong. And this was July twentieth, twenty fourteen. So that was just over nine months. That mm-hmm. kind of going more towards like nine and a half months. Yeah. Where she had been in this storage container. So imagine Xenia's surprise when on this night, July 20th, 2014, the doorbell rings and the door, you know, there's a knock and it's her daughter who's been missing. The relief, the disbelief, I can't even imagine. Unbelievable. And Abby gave a statement. She said, I remember looking up and laughing and being so happy. I just walked home. And there's video surveillance from the camera positioned above the family's home. Yeah. And she's just walking right up the door, calm as can be. Um, she opens the door and calls her mom. She's like, Mom, Mom, I'm home. I'm home. Oh, chills. Chills. So crazy. So the circumstances behind why he let her go are just unbelievable. Because if this did not happen, Mm -hmm. it would have been crazy. So one of the ways that Abby was kind of working with her captor, like, I'll help you. I'll do whatever you need me to do. He eventually trusted her to the point where he had Abby help him make counterfeit money. Dumbass. Dumbass. And it wasn't even good counterfeit money. It wasn't even legit. It's like fake ass looking monopoly money. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a joke. Yeah. And he, even though he had Abby in a storage container and like was having her do that, he was also going out being a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. So in March of 2014, he had Abby in his storage container what now it's been five months yeah and he actually was arrested and charged with criminal trespassing and assault that was nuts because he followed a conway woman to her house after there was a small car accident and he pushed her to the ground and in her driveway after she had like demanded for him to stop taking pictures of her car and so you know he was arrested and his pistol was on him so that was taken and then, of course, because he's a New Hampshire boy through and through, he petitioned to get his Ruger LC9 back, <laughs> um, claiming the seizure was immoral in that, quote-unquote, irrational and unconstitutional restriction of his civil rights. Boo-hoo, you fucking... And even the cops hated him. Like, during the 2020 interview, they did interview a couple members of law enforcement who said... You know, we are no stranger to Nate Kibbe. We've had many a run-in with him before. He loves his guns. He's armed to the teeth at all times. He's a gun collection. And law enforcement's like, he's an asshole and he's a piece of shit. 100%. They hate him. They're like, he's awful. Yeah. 
Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Right. Yeah. In April of 2014, just a month or so after he has this, you know, um, incident, he's fired from his job. Five years he worked there at EMM Precision Inc. And apparently he was let go because work was too slow. They said he was a good worker, whatever. I hate him. Um, In the beginning of July 2014, this was when Kibbe was in court for the sentencing of the charge of criminal trespassing, which is Mm -hmm. when he pushed that woman down in her driveway because they got in a car accident or whatever, and he wanted insurance proof or whatever. Right. The simple assault charge was dropped, and the victim, her name was Tammy Shackford, she even said, he is not a normal person. He is just not right. Wow. Yeah. So, like you said, one of his side hustles as well as being a total piece of shit was this counterfeit money thing. And what did he use the counterfeit money on? Sex workers. Which, come on, bro. I get it if you're gonna, like, buy gas or, like, groceries, I mean, not that I condone it, but like, really, right. or by dr- at least by drugs. Yeah, it's something dumb. I can't, I can't with these people. And so this poor woman, her name was Lauren Monday. She tried to use that money that she earned from, mm-hmm. you know, her job, right, at Walmart to buy groceries. You know, as one does. As one does. When you they get make paid. Money at the job. Right. You get paid. Yeah. You take the money that you earned mm-hmm. from work and you go and you purchase things with it. Yeah. So imagine her surprise. When she was arrested at Walmart for trying to use fake money. This was like... And this cheap motherfucker only gave her three $50 bills to help her pay for a hotel room that they had gotten together. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So, you know, reasonably, she's going to purchase her items. She gets arrested. She's like, um, this is not my money. Yeah, I was like, paid with this. Right. She told them everything. She's like, this is the guy that paid me with this. Mm-hmm. She ended up calling Nathaniel swearing at him, mm-hmm. going up one side of him and down the other. Yep. So upset with him, understandably so. Yeah, yeah. Because he scammed her. Absolutely. So she tells him, whatever you're making in your basement, you better clean it up right now. Mm-hmm. Because law enforcement is coming for you. Yep. So he hears that, hangs up the phone, goes to Abby, like, we're, we're, we're done. Like, yep. you're leaving. Yep. I have to get rid of everything, you included. Absolutely. Like we said, he dropped Abby off on that dark, quiet road on July 20th of 2014. Yes. It wasn't until July 28th that Kibby was arrested at his home in Gorham, New Hampshire. Now, she talked about it a little bit on the 2020 episode, and there were some articles about it. She understandably had some reservations. She was terrified of him. She was horrified. Right. He threatened to kill her, her family, and her dogs. Mm-hmm. I would be quiet, too, because that's terrifying. After all that you've been through for nine months, tasing, heavy metal music, thinking you're on camera for nine months, you do not get to rest. You do not get to sleep. You try to go to sleep, and he's in there raping you, blindfolded, gagged, chained. You're drinking from basically like a hamster bottle. Right. It's degrading. It's humiliating. It's horrifying. Yeah, she's terrified. Right. So if he says... I'm going to tase you, and he tases you. If he says, I'm going to rape you, and he rapes you. If he says, I'm going to kill you and your whole family, if you say who I am, mm-hmm. okay. You believe him. Say, right. Yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> I mean, you, you were legit about everything else you said to me. Yeah. Why would this be any different? Exactly. Exactly. So July 29th, the day after he was arrested, he's arraigned on kidnapping charges, and he's held on $1 million bail, which, of course, he does not pay. Because he is a Q-tip. He can't pay that in fake money. No, right. right exactly. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Literally piece of shit. And so on 
December 17th, during, you know, he, there was this whole trial, he was indicted on more than 180 counts of all different kinds of shit. Yeah. So many different kinds of shit. This included sexual assault, threatening, which I didn't know you could charge someone with, and kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also accused of using a taser-like device against Abby, as well as threatening to kill her family and her dogs. So he had a whole bunch of shit right. going on him. Valid, which like, honestly he should. Give. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this was incredible to me. So he ended up striking a plea deal with state prosecutors in 2016. He pled guilty to seven felony counts, you know, kidnapping, sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people felt as though he should go to trial and he should have to sit through the whole trial process and go through that. Mm-hmm. It ended up really working out because it saved Abby from yes. having to sit there, yeah. go over day by day, minute by minute. Yeah. Everything he did to her have to relive it, yeah. and it would have been graphic and disturbing, and Ugh. it would have re-traumatized her. Of course. So it really ended up working out that he's, you know, he's still serving. He's serving 40 to 90 years in prison for this. Rightfully fucking so. Right, right. So it ended up, you know, really working because that would have been so fucking traumatic for Abby. Yeah, and even so, Abby was so brave because she oh did God. go to... I think it was the sentencing. Yeah, she did. There's photos of her there. Yes, with her mom. Mm -hmm. And oh my, so brave. And if she did not have to live through enough trauma at the hands of this guy, when she disappeared, you know, she's just a freshman in high school. She's 14. She turned 15 during all of this. Rumors were flying left, right, and center at school. Mm -hmm. One of the main cruel rumors that was circulating was that Abby was pregnant and she was pulled out of school to have a secret baby. Because of the perfect nine months, right? That's ridiculous. Isn't that awful? Just add to her torture, right? Right. Like, she's already feeling awful. She's, this terrible thing happened and now she's trying to get back to normal and you guys are whispering behind her back. Right. Isn't that fucking atrocious? This poor girl, she went through so much and she's just a little older than you and I. Yeah. And this brave, brave girl, I, I mean, damn, she's yeah. out there now. Yeah. She's actually has a baby. Yep. She, she has a baby. A boy. In, I think 2019, 2020. Yeah. And she lives in Maine and that's all we know. And you know what? That's all, that's even more than we need to know. Right. Because she wants to live her life. She's fiercely private. Correct. You know, she did the 2020 interview, called it a day. She told her story, left at that. Perfect. Period. She didn't even have to do that, and she did. Right. This brave woman. The way that she worked to earn his trust and gain his trust to save her life. Yeah. She kept calm in the face of danger. You know, her adrenaline's going. She's, you know, pushing it down. She said, part of how I gained his trust is I went along with everything he wanted me to do. And she kept telling him that she knew he wasn't a bad person and that everyone makes mistakes. And she kept trying to be kind to him. Hmm. Former FBI profiler Brad Garrett gave a statement. He said, if I were going to write a textbook about how victims should deal with abductions, the first chapter would be about Abby. It's all about bonding to the bad guy. And then a psychologist that was involved with Abby, um, her name's Rebecca Bailey, She stated, it's amazing that she was strategizing. It is, again, very remarkable and, again, speaks to her ability to get out of her terror state and problem solve. Yeah, she did a fantastic job. Because that's what she was doing is a lot of people, and, you know, it's a fight-or-flight response. Mm -hmm. You don't know how you're going to act in the moment. You don't know what you're going to do. You can say, oh, if I were in her shoes, I would have done this, this, and this. 
you don't know until you're in there. Absolutely. So the fact that she was able to be thinking constantly, you know, trying to engrave a message into the letter with her right. fingernail, right. reasoning with him, mm-hmm. how she found out his name and yeah. confronted him about it. So she's like, I know that this is you. Yeah. Just, you know, calm, cool, and collected, helping him with his counterfeit money, doing whatever she yeah. could. It's incredible. Genius. Mm-hmm. So brave. At 15 years old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, really amazing. Abby, in a later interview, she gave a statement addressed to her captor. Ugh. She said, I want you to know I appreciate my freedom because of you. I never look at the sunshine the same way. I never think about fresh air the same way. So I also want to thank you for giving me my freedom back. Some people might call you a monster, but I've always looked at you as human. And I want you to know that even though life became a lot harder after that, I still forgive you. Oh, so brave. And when she came forward publicly to share her story, she wants to inspire others to never lose hope. If that's the one thing you can do, do not ever lose hope. Keep going. And she said, hope is something that nobody can take away from you. Just keep that and you'll keep going. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the absolutely remarkable survival story of Abby Hernandez. Mm -hmm. Badass girl. Incredible. She's fantastic. I think we could all learn lessons from her. Her bravery and, you know, just how she managed to keep it together in such an awful, awful, awful time. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And that's some of the worst torture I've ever heard of anybody going through. Yeah. Ever. It's just awful. Mm -hmm. So she did, she's a very brave young woman. Yeah. Now, I think you guys should probably send us your thoughts and feelings about this badass lady Mm -hmm. on our Instagram and Twitter, which are, of course, True Crime NE. All lowercase. And you can even email us, perhaps, if you want to talk more about this case and any other at truecrimene at gmail.com. Or if you so choose to contact us a different way, you can head to our website at truecrimene.com. We have a handy dandy submission tool where you can reach out to us, leave your name if you want to. You can be anonymous if you don't want us to know who you are. Um, you can use our little submission toolbox to send cases you like for us to cover, cases you want to talk about with us, mm-hmm. feedback, anything. Talk to us about this case or any other cases. You know, you name it, we will probably get back to you. Absolutely. We love talking with you we guys. We love chatting with you it's guys. It's so much fun. It makes us feel like people are listening. Yeah. Ah. It's so nice. It is a nice. It's it's nice. So we appreciate you guys. Mm-hmm. As always, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you.